Welcome back, everybody. This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 74. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a fan and sticking around. I know it's been a little while since we've put out an episode, and that's mostly because we've been working on our Vans Channel 66 show, uh, which is live streaming once a month now uh, for the next uh, seven months or so, hopefully longer. Uh, a lot of you guys have been joining us on that, and that's been a lot of fun. But I think when it comes to the podcast, we might just be doing this once every four to six weeks at the most uh, when we get interviews that we like that we don't cover on that show so this is one of those uh, but let's do a little housekeeping this is the bodega border crew podcast make sure to check us out on instagram at bodega border crew make sure to support this show and what we do by going to bodegabordercrew.com where we have all types of merch we have bags we have fins we have towels we have stickers pins air fresheners, you name it. We've been working on a lot of stuff uh, for a project that's hopefully released next year. So a lot of it will be on there. Uh, Please note, I get emails all the time. Hey, are you reprinting this or are you reprinting that? No. Once it prints in a colorway and it sells out, it's done. That's part of our ethos. That's part of what we do. Also, make sure to check out the episode description on your iTunes player, whatever player you choose to use for track listings and links to things that we're talking about. This episode, uh, we got to sit down with one of my favorite people, surfers, uh, Mr. Christian Stutzman. He's been tearing it up all over the place, doing really well at contests, traveling the world. Uh, Sit down with him at his new crib that him and his fiance, uh, Morgan Sliff have, which she'll be on the podcast soon, hopefully and uh, talk to him about a bunch of stuff. We also get a guest visit from none other than the commish, Mr. Devin Howard. Uh, Competition season starting up again over at WSL and a bunch of other places. So he drops in and uh, drops a little knowledge about what's going on with the events coming up. Also, we have a couple of short takes. The first one is a log wrap BTS from one of the contests that was held in Oceanside, the king and queen of the pier. The second one is really a link to a video and an article that showed up in the New York Times about uh, black surfing, uh, which I think is really good. Uh, They had some really good people in there, so we're gonna talk about that. And the last short take we have is this clip that Mr. Josh Seaman has put together called Eve. Uh, It's really interesting. I suggest you check it out. In this episode, you know, usually we go to the usual suspects of things that I like and and the hip hop I like and sources I like. And I thought for this episode, I might want to change it up and started exploring some underground stuff that's not even necessarily new, but you know, came out in the timeframe of like 2000 to 2010, 12, kind of in that little span of, MCs uh, and acts from all over the place, Chicago, LA, New York, uh, you name it, I try to include it. So uh, just sit back, relax, enjoy the tracks, and we'll be back in a little bit. Peace. Bottles of the 150 poured over the squishness. Broken bones, the pillars, that now is the illest. The biggest landfillers, we creep like caterpillars. Love razors, dirty guns with a few bodies. Teach niggas how to walk again from the fucking shoddy. Six cents, six pack, six degrees of separation. My evil third eye blinks with no hesitation. Dust bags, spoonfuls of sugar help the medic. Go down smooth and steady, blowing the green deadly. Hem weed pops, isolated of hash bricks. Needle left stuck in his arm, died of a bad fix. We still rock, still dry drawers on the stove. Got bread from back in the days, it's growing some more. Tupac's back. My Glock's fat after the gun smoke. You screaming, where my block at? Both hands crusty, 
need a little lotion. That shit don't matter when I'm mixed. I call it ocean. Smoking on potent. Guns bagging up in a living room. Blocking a flat screen while I'm watching juice. Move your big ass head. My favorite part on Q and the DJ battle. Move a eye, scratch you. 95 from 95 on the coffee table. Cock them selling dimes. Still shiny as a nickel. Pistol and designer boxes, shoe boxes, and bedrooms. Some got stacks, but most discontinues. What's on the menu? Eat a rapper like butter and a squash. Park on a nigga with the blade out. Run up in your safe house. I ironic, knock a ring, got a nigga like somebody hit Sonic. Smoking on chronic, but I like Nostradamus. See, dying ain't your future, nigga, I promise. Bombing color 7 Series, TiVo, the World Series, bout to miss the game. Hitting sevens on the slot machine. Dice game, fight starter, drunk driving and a charger. With a big city bitch, like I like to car up. That money on the ground shit UPS, FedEx, I deliver the pound shit Raw dog, my hood's like crazy Eddie stamp bags Stapleton niggas stash they guns and shit bags Do-rags and blue and red flags We keep new tags Skinny or big jeans, niggas, they still sag Brag about two chains, four chains, six chains Spread eagle bitches in the crib, giving brains Still keep them clocks crispier than printed money In the champion gear that I rock Well, hide my face for me, mask down Turn the time machine back around the sense. They say that you don't love me. Ay. 
I'm guessing I'ma be okay You say that you don't feel me now I feel like I'ma live somehow Your love never meant much to me Zumba with chicks and that's okay But don't tell me you locked in with the Glock and both socks when you really in hot spin My pen game is end game I sent flames, your best name, got a yes name You raved on the bed frame, you been lame With your mind on the meth thing saying S.O. getting gas, but I can pull the last When I'm at S.O. getting gas Snatch the bag like the Grinch, daggers and sits. Snagged with the burning, ain't seen a man since. Irrelevant to tag if the swag is past tense. And karma swing back as a drag, you can't flinch. A thrill you deserve to feel if your ass is that dense. Like how you like them apples, confined in tin shackles. Predisposed to tension like holes sitting in chapels. He in white sands, bearing his bad toes, sipping a snapple. Fish taco, Casablanca, Morocco. Stash similar to the National Bank. Bato, got dough, probably some snacks. Your sapo, singing the top of their lungs like chicks in the top row. Plus streams of confetti. Same reason he hardly talked to team on the celly. Breakfast continental, cream cheese jelly. Bread blowing and smells seaweeds at the telly. Yo, Diesel, the first to show who depended on crutches, pushed down the ramp that descended. Point at the west, commencing with the speech. It's no handrail, very long, very steep. They may be slippery, but I mop accordingly. Falling for it, that's the last thing, most importantly. It's like being new and fake at the same time. Momentum random down 10 feet. Can't grind. I see it like a cold leader holding a mass rally inside, slash mass suicide. 
Bludgeon right on the peak of a sudden spike Cuffing mics, crushing massive egos to slush and ice Nothing like my mentals and the muscle tight Ain't no discussion with munchkins, they just as trite Destroyed by a mere allegation Falsely accused just a clear adolescent Which shunt is the right hunt? Try it, jump
What is up, everybody? This is the Bodega Border Poop Podcast, Volume 74. Thanks for joining us. Hope you guys have been liking some of those underground obscure tracks. To some people, they might be not be so obscure in the hip-hop world. To me, it's just not my daily bread. Uh, a lot of stuff I've been getting turned on to lately because of a lot younger audience uh, that's out there, and they've been putting me up on stuff. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to share it. But let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast, Volume 74. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to support us. If you want to support us, I'm not going to put a PayPal link. We're not going to start a Patreon. We're not doing an OnlyFans. We're not doing any of that. Uh, what you can do is you can buy some merch uh, over at bodegabordercrew.com. We have t-shirts. We have air fresheners, towels, surfboard fins, bags, stickers, you name it. Big, small mugs, everything. We're always adding stuff. But if you want to support us, buy stuff from there. It really goes a long way. Also, make sure to check out the episode description on your iTunes player or player of choice for track listings and links to things that we're talking about. This episode, we got to sit down with Mr. Christian Stutzman. Uh, Christian is someone I met years and years ago. And has always been really kind, generous, amazing guy. I think he's kind of the prototypical modern competitive longboarder in the sense that he's very aware of what's out there and what the payday is and what the payday isn't and he has his own career that he's worked on but uh this little conversation i had with him uh, over at his new spot and i uh, hope you guys enjoy your name where are you from hey there uh my name is christian stutzman uh i currently live in hermosa beach california uh grew up down south mostly in san diego san clemente kind of bounced around but right now Hermosa Beach. So, so you were born down there. Yeah. So I, I grew up in San Clemente, okay. California. So I grew up surfing Sano, um, Trestles, T Street, all of those places. I lived there for most of my childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up moving down to San Diego um, in when I was, I think, fifteen years old okay. or so. Um, so from there, I moved to San Diego, and of all places, I moved kind of near Poway which is oh, about, wow. yeah, like 20 minutes inland from the coast, yeah, was uh, which was definitely different from growing up, you know, St. Clemente, you're right there. Yeah, you yeah. go down to the beach, it takes like five minutes. Um, so that was definitely a thing. Um, but it was, it was kind of cool. Like once I moved down there, it was, you had so much more of an appreciation for going to the beach because... Yeah, because it's been taken away from you. Mm-hmm. What, when did you start surfing? Like how old were you? I was two years old. Oh my god! Yeah, I I like to tell people I kind of didn't have a choice to become a surfer. I got indoctr- indoctrinated into it uh-huh. by my parents, uh, which thank God for that. But yeah, I I started when I was two years old. I started doing contests when I was I think four uh-huh. at the Sano Surf Contest. Um, oh really? The, yeah, that little one that they do every year. And I mean, the, the way it's been told to me is I used to get taken down to Sano, and my mom would go push me out on a board and I'd stand up, you know, a little T-pose on the board, oh my God, a life jacket awesome. on. That's so and they'd cute. push me into it and my dad would be on the inside kind of goalieing everything. Yeah, and as yeah. I'd get close, he'd just scoop me up and just let the board go. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's like such an early age to start. I know like we're, we're trying to get Brooklyn to do it and it's like been like a slow process. Like kind of like she does it for a little bit and then she like has a wipeout and then she's scared for a couple mm-hmm. of months and then she'll do it a little bit but like it's and and we were actually talking about this today on our show about what age people start so i'm fascinated when people start at early age um when did you start realizing that like surfing is something that like 
is going to become an important part of your life. Yeah, I mean, I think, honestly, for me, I feel like that's always been a mentality of mine. I think especially from starting from an early age, uh -huh. um, like I don't really remember the process I took learning how to surf and going uh -huh. through that. My earliest memories of surfing were just being completely stoked about everything okay. and always wanting to be at the beach. And I think growing up, whenever I'd get asked, what do you want to be when you grow up? I would always say, I want to be a professional surfer. That, um, awesome. that was like, you know, that was my childhood dream was to always be like that. Um, and so I just, from then on, I've always just wanted to be around the beach in some aspect. I mean, obviously that whole mentality has changed as I've grown up a little bit yeah. more and priorities change, but the basic concept of just do whatever you can to be at the beach as much as you can and go surf and get the best waves and just have the most fun. And that, that mentality has always stayed. Now, when you were younger, before you moved down to San Diego and you were surfing San Olaf, who were some of the kids that you remember surfing there that were around your age? Oh, at San Yeah. I think, well, around my age, it was, gosh, there was a lot of the kids I went to high school with. Obviously, like, you know, there's guys like Andy Niblis, uh, Nate Adams, like people who made a, a little bit more of a name for themselves uh -huh. now. Um, but then there's also, you know, other... I remember surfing with Mason Klink um, and Casey Powell, um, some of those names that aren't necessarily quite as big, but have definitely influenced a lot of what I've done in surfing. I no, think. but that's important. I think a lot, there's a lot of people that, you know, get forgotten in surfing mm -hmm. and in skateboarding. And I think it's important for like people like yourself to kind of like pay tribute to them and say like, hey, look, these people did something for me, even if, you know, people don't know about them, mm -hmm. you know, kind of thing. Um, what, and obviously, because you were surfing in it was like longboards. Like, oh yeah for yeah. sure and i mean that and that was a huge thing of kind of developing my surfing because you know when you start in san clemente you're pretty much going to start at either doheny or you're going to go to sano yeah because you want to learn at the mellowest wave right yeah, yeah, yeah. and i think that influenced so much of seeing because at sano you have anywhere from the people's first day of surfing to people who have been surfing for 45 years yeah. plus and are professionals in the sport and are can do things that will blow your mind and i think that that was a huge part of growing up in that scene and just watching all these people and seeing like, oh no, it's not necessarily what the mainstream might tell you of longboarding of, oh, this is just what, you know, old guys do and they can't turn anymore. Yeah. It's actually, it's this really cool thing that's about so much more than just, you know, shortboarding or whatever it might be. It's all just surfing. Yeah. But it's just a different expression of the same thing. Now, how did, when you moved to San Diego as a teen, and like you were saying, you're like away from the water, how did that change your relationship with surfing? I was, af I was definitely afraid that it would. Uh, mm -hmm. I think going down, that was one, one big thing. You know, I moved when I was halfway through high school. So yeah. that was like in the midst of, you know, teenage, always wanting to be at the beach, yeah. always wanted to surf and, and get the best waves. And I think growing up in San Clemente, it, it kind of feels a little bit like a bubble. Yeah. Um, there wasn't a lot of times that I would go travel to the places. Like I barely ever went to San Diego, even though I lived 30 minutes away yeah, yeah. from a lot of those spaces because I just go to Sano, I'd go to T Street, Riviera's, um, Cotton's, like places like that. And I just, and I never really had grown up enough to really appreciate that culture of San Diego and hear so much of what's going on down there. Um, so I was a little afraid of moving down there. You know, what are the waves going to be like? Is it going to impact my ability to surf? And I had a friend of mine who I moved down there and they're like, hey, you know what? There's a spot that I normally go to. It's called Cardiff. Uh, you should go oh, there. Yeah. And I had been to Cardiff, I think, once camping as a kid. Yeah. Other than that, like, I never really, I pretty much didn't know what it was. And I think, you know, the first time I went surfing, I went to Cardiff and I surfed. 
It's like, oh, this is a really fun spot. And I pretty much never went anywhere else after that. Well, like I mean, Joel and those guys were always there and stuff. Yeah, and I, I mean, there's a reason. That, that wave is just so fun. It's just so versatile. There's so many different things you could do. It's a lot like, you know, growing up in St. Clemente where you have so many different faces of waves. Mm-hmm. You know, how different are Lowers and T Street from yeah. Trails, Doheny, Sano, yeah. um, all those places. And so, and I think that's what I realized once after I moved down there to San Diego is there are so many more faces of waves I even than I could even think about. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it just be at that one beach or, you know, you can go to Cardiff one day and you can longboard in the morning and you can pack up and that afternoon, go down to Black's and you can get a stand-up barrel yeah. a couple hours later. It's so and crazy. It's, yeah, and I think that was the one thing that really stuck out to me once I moved down there was, wow, this is a place where you can really just do anything. You can surf anything. You can ride any type of wave that you want to. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, that's a one thing that I do like. I used to go down there a lot, and it's like, you know, between Cardiff, Swamis, Pipes, Blacks, like all that, you basically, it's like, you almost have to have like a van full of boards, right? You almost have to be like, okay, well, like for this hour, I'm going to longboard, and then like two hours later, I'm going to take out my, my 20, and then like, you know, like, it's like kind of awesome. Did you think it... it um, did you, because of that, did you see like there was like a bigger progression in your surfing? Definitely. I think, uh, you know, before I moved down there, I was pretty much just a longboarder. I was a longboarder that had a couple shortboards that would go out every once in a while when we went to trestles. I was always interested in it. Um, but I think once I moved down there, it was very much like there are certain days where you can't longboard at yeah. certain spots. And not just a localism, not really like a localism thing, but more of like a functionality thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's certain waves that you can't make a vertical airdrop on a six foot wave <laughs> yeah, with yeah, a 10 foot board. Uh, no matter how hard you try. So I think that kind of forced me to surf all of these different waves um, and surf all of these different boards mm-hmm. too. And I think that was kind of when I started to go, okay, like I can do more than just longboard. Mm-hmm. And there's more way, there's there's more implementations for different styles of surfing than yeah. just what I had always known. Um, yeah. I, I think that's the one thing like with surfers like yourself, like the ones that surf the right boards for the right conditions is it winds it especially if they're like you don't want to say primarily longboarders but like you know it makes their longboarding so much better because i think you take little aspects of each one of those conditions and boards and bring them into that you know i noticed that like you have better turns you have better setup it's like your feet are quicker you know versus like people who just like surf malibu all day and all they do is surf like a a, a tenno like you know Hmm. in the pink like or something similar to that it's like they just it is, it's a one note. It's like, you know, it's like when you're cooking, it's like you want to have all these different things. Yeah, for sure. Um, who was making your, or who were you getting boards from when you were down there? When I was down there, when I first moved down there, um, I went with a local surf shop uh, called Iron Cross Surfboards. Uh, and that's and right there in Cardiff, right? Right, right by there. Cardiff. It's right by the uh, Patagonia in Cardiff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just a couple doors down. So they were the ones, that was my first sponsor ever, uh-huh. was they contacted me. I had a couple friends of mine who, had surfed for them and kind of told me about it. And they're like, hey, do you want to, you know, come on the team? Yeah. The time, you know, a little teenage grom. Yeah, absolutely. Give sure. me, like, whatever. I don't. Yeah, yeah. And ended up working with Jeff and Jay Gregera for a while. And I think that was instrumental in kind of developing my style of surfing. And that before then, it was, you know, I just, I was looking around at different boards and I was just looking around at stock boards, you know, what's the most popular 
being nose rider what's right you know so on and so forth and then that was a point of like no 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 let's like what do you really want for a board like how do you want this to be done yeah um and then after that you know once you have your basics and the ones that normally work okay i want a new board but i want something that's weird that's never been necessarily yeah. done in that exact way before yeah and that's kind of when i started to get more addicted to those like weirder styles of boards it's almost like surfers are like the, like shapers worst enemies in a way because we're <laughs> we're just kind of like we're like no 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 i swear this is what i want and you know they're like years of experience they're like i'm telling you this is not what he wants it's the worst <laughs> idea ever but fuck it like he's gonna have to learn the hard way and they make you something and you're like hey it doesn't work and they're like I tried to tell you, <laughs> it's like kind of thing. But there's sometimes something that, by having that relationship, I think you wind up like um, getting shapers to think outside of what they normally think of, and they wind up getting into something that like they were kind of opposed to. That they're like, oh well, this stuff really works, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and now you have a relationship with a shaper now that you work with Jose. Um, tell me a little bit because was that after you moved up here or before you moved up here? That was kind of when I was in the process of it. Okay. So that had kind of happened. I was already planning on moving up to Hermosa. It was kind of in the works. I knew it was going to be, you know, happening within a year or so. Yeah. And I had met Morgan, my fiance now, yeah. um, who lives up here in Hermosa. And I was coming up here to move in with her. And she had known Jose for quite a while. That's where she got all of her boards in. And from, from her, I ended up meeting Jose and talking with him. And... You know, it just kind of became this conversation back and forth, and I ended up going along with him once I moved up here to Hermosa. He was, yeah. you know, local shaper, kind of right next door. It just kind of made a little bit more sense uh, in terms of, you know, a smaller shaper. It's not like I can get a board shipped all the way up here if I really want oh, yeah, it or yeah. go all the way down. So it just kind of made more sense to do that. And the more I worked with Jose, the more I realized, like, that that man is the most incredible human in the world. And as far as shaping goes, like, I a modern day master um i think he made me his first the, the first board that we made together it was this nose rider single fin nine seven and i have now had i think three different versions of that same board I and that's the go-to i've never i've never actually really had like a go-to longboard that wasn't that exact shape the first one he ever made it, uh -huh. it worked so perfect this one i ride today it's the same exact dimensions every time. I just get a different color now. So what is <laughs> wide point middle? Um, so mine, I usually get them, yeah, about wide point middle. My normal dimensions, I'm a big believer, just 9.6 by 23 by 3. Just mm -hmm. a classic, just easy dimensions yeah, to yeah, go yeah. for. Um, I really like a wider nose and a wider tail. Uh -huh. um, and Jose is really, really good at transitions, I think, especially getting those kind of harder rails to softer rails throughout the board. Uh -huh. So even though it's, you know, this wider, heavier board, I get mine class with 868 classing with a Volan deck patch. Oh, wow. So they're pretty heavy. Oh, I was going to say. Yeah, and, and even still, they turn on a dime just because, yeah. they, you know, put in that hard edge near the, near the tail. So he uh, does put a little edge back there. A little bit. Just yeah. uh, just kind of enough. Just like a little pinch of it. It's sort of like, you know, Thomas Bexon. That's what he's been doing on his boards for the last, like, mm -hmm. four or five years. I have one of his, and then I noticed, like, a lot of his boards that he was... It's like that last, like, maybe three inches? Maybe four? It's mm -hmm. like the very end of it. It just helps engage that turn a little bit better, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's just like... It, it won't roll off, right? And But it'll still... The water still can go wrap around, right? It's like this kind of... 
kind of thing. Yeah, it kind of helps it kind of grab into the wave when you're on the nose too. Yeah. So it, it kind of helps in both respects. For sure. Yeah, I remember one time you telling me that about like boards. You were like, oh, you know, like I put a little bit, I get him, or he does a little bit of nose rocker to help me nose ride better kind of thing. Yeah, so I, I actually, I kind of grew up having boards that had a little bit more nose rocker. Uh -huh. And so that's what I've been doing. And with my boards, I generally tend to get a little bit more kick in the tail, a little bit more kick in the nose too, which uh -huh. uh, is a slight little concave. And I learned that it actually helps me personally. I'm, I've definitely, for a long time, I was one to run out, run the pocket pretty easy, yeah. especially when you're on the nose, you have all that speed, yeah. you have a nice heavy board, but having that just little extra bit of nose rocker kind of helps slow you down. Yeah. And within that, you can kind of turn your board gradually a little bit more. Um, I, I remember talking, I heard from Noah Shimabukuru, of all people, and he was like, he was getting ready for the Oceanside Nose Ride contest. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, you know, I, I, I usually get my boards with, for this one, I try and get a board with a little bit more of a nose rocker, because mm -hmm. that way it just stalls you in the pocket and you're able sure. to do that. It's like, well, you know, Noah says it. Yeah, he <laughs> it's got to work. A shot. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, that's like. Yeah. But it's, it's nice too, because not only does it kind of stall you a little bit, it allows you to have that sort of turning capabilities from the nose. Yeah, because if it was all flat with just concave, it's just mm -hmm. gonna basically be like, it'll slow down, but where are you gonna go from there? Exactly, yeah, yeah. and some of those boards that, that are really flat, they can get those like crazy levitation in the pocket, but it's really difficult to get it in that pocket or to like have that fine tuning out of it. So yeah. that's kind of why I like a little bit more, especially having that wider nose with that nose concave mm -hmm. or the nose rocker you're able to kind of maneuver around sections and kind of hold on when you might have previously gone under yeah it's almost like having like in a sense like it's like like a spoon in a way that has like concave it's like it's like you could there's it's not like a flat spot right so it's like mm -hmm. you have like in terms of geometry that it's a smaller point that's touching the wave yeah so that gives you more ability to turn it versus if it was a bigger surface touching the wave it's not going to move kind mm -hmm. of thing. and doesn't really want to go on rail like that yeah yeah because i do notice that like a lot of your like nose rides that you do you are steering a lot from that position <laughs> yeah. like it's like it's like you could turn like this little itty bitty shit wave into something and i'm like i'm like oh yeah because he's actually like he's not going straight the whole time um now with the board you what fins are you using so I'm riding, right now I actually just got brought on as a team rider for Macho Fins, uh -huh. a company based out of Spain. Uh -huh. um, I have an interesting story about how I met them actually. Okay. I, I've been riding their, their fins for about two years now uh -huh. before I ever got on the team um, and have absolutely loved it. Uh, the first time I ever came in contact with one, I was going to Spain for the Fairlog contest. It was yeah. the first one that they had and I was lucky enough to get invited and it was my first trip ever to Europe. Uh, I've never been off of the continent, yeah. Um, and so I'm all excited, get on the plane, and I ended up getting lost. Not, not only did they lose me, I got lost in Boston for about 24 hours because oh, of a Jesus. delay. Yeah, my flight left without me on my connection flight, oh, no. um, and so I had to get rerouted to Boston for a full day, and mind you, this was only like a four-day trip to, to, oh, my <laughs> to God. Europe, too, so I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's going to take away so much of this. And ended up finally making it over to Spain. And I get out and my boards never came. And I was like, I know that they were in Boston. I talked, I ended up talking with probably like 12 different people. Like, hey, did you see my boards get on the plane? Yes, the boards are on the plane. They're there, they're yeah, yeah. gonna go. And 
I ended up in my boards. I waited about an hour. They didn't come out. And so I go up to the person at the desk. Like, hey, where's my boards? Types a little bit. About four seconds later, she goes, oh, they're in Boston. They never got put on a plane. It's like, oh, great. Because I, you know, I have a contest tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so all stressed out. And I get to the contest. And the contest organizers knew a guy who had actually been a pilot for Iberia, uh-huh. uh, which was the airline that lost me and all my boards. And so his name is Santi. And I've become really good friends with him now. And he worked tirelessly to get us our boards back. And he got... So Morgan, my fiance, went on a different flight. Same story, but she didn't get lost herself. Just the boards. Just the boards. Got so... So well, that's something. That's, exactly. that's yeah, some right? kind of progress right there. <laughs> yeah. At least it's not all like both of you guys. Exactly. Right? So eventually Santi was able to get one of our board bags. We're like, okay, fine. That's like there. We start. have two boards in there. That's cool. So we get the board bags. We take them out. And we go to surf. And we realize... All of our fins are in the other board. Oh, All the other no. board bag. Like, oh, no. What are we going to do? So we have these boards, no fins. <laughs> yeah, right? And we have the contest. It was literally, it was like 10 p.m. And the contest started at like 6 a.m. the next oh, day. Oh, my God. And same thing, the contest organizers, um, they go, hey, so we have these guys here. They're, they're running a booth. They're called Macho Fins. Um, and our friend kind of helps run this company. Uh, maybe go talk to them. So I talked to them and they came up and they're like, you know what? We have this fin for you to try. It's this bow fin. Uh, it's 10 and a half inch. Like, do you think you'd be interested? You can, we'll let you borrow it if you want. Oh, cool. And I was like, sure. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I'll take whatever I can yeah. get. And then wrote it and was like, oh my gosh, this is the best fin I've ever ridden in my entire life. And ended up by the end of that contest, I didn't want to get the fin back. So I just bought it off of them. <laughs> There you go. And that was the fin I rode for about two years. Oh, um, nice. Just the same one. And it's basically, I mean, the one I, I like a lot, it's called the bow fin. It's basically like a, similar to like a Greeno template, uh-huh. but a little bit longer, a little stiffer. More rake? Tiny bit more rake. Yeah. But mostly the reason why I like it, you know, Greeno, a 10-inch Greeno, that's going to take up about three quarters of your box. You have a little bit more wiggle room. Yeah, you can yeah, move yeah. it around. The bow fin from Macho Fins, it takes up the entire box. At oh. least with my box, pretty much. And so you have that same speed, that same flex, the and base. that same... Yeah, but you have a really wide base. So you have you can push it a lot harder. And you can nose ride in sections where normally you'd be afraid to slide out. But it's oh. just going to hold in, almost like a rudder fin, but yeah, still I mean, has that, that rake big. to turn. That's pretty big. Yeah, so and I've been loving all of their fins so far. We've got a couple more on the way right now that I'm really excited to try out, but... So they're sending you kind of like, hey, try this one out. Let, let me see what you guys think. Yeah, so I, I just got brought on as a team rider. I'm getting, um, I'm basically getting another version of the same idea that the bow tries to implement of having kind of a rakier fin. This one has a little bit less base. Um, I, I want to say it's called the spur. Uh-huh. Um, so I'm, I'm trying that one out. It's, it should be getting it sometime soon. Uh, but I'm really excited. I've been told that like, a lot of people kind of compare that with the bow uh-huh. the one I normally ride um, I've also tried out uh, the, I think it's pronounced Dryfin Dryfin uh-huh. um, it is uh, it's Mike Lays from, oh, okay. from Cornwall yeah, yeah. Uh, it's his model of fin and that one's like it's kind of a hybrid between a, a rake fin and a rudder fin uh-huh. um, just a little bit more fat a little bit more um, like kind of straighter than it is rakey uh-huh. um, and that one I actually rode that one at the uh, Kelly Sutter wave pool when I was able to go. And that thing was like instrumental because <laughs> that wave gets so steep, you kind of need something to be able to hold you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I've, I've heard that about that wave. It kind of like creeps up really fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also you've been, um, one of the people that support you is um, Hippie Tree as well. Hermosa local company. Um, how, was, how did that relationship start? So that one, like, I, that kind of just came about a little bit more randomly. It was after I moved to Hermosa. And, uh-huh. You know, Hippie Tree started their first headquarters was a block away from at the time what was my house okay um and so and they're this like the local surfing company at least yeah, one yeah. of them um or at least the hip one nowadays um compared to a lot of the other kind of older brands yeah, yeah. um but so that was always one I'd, I've always loved their clothing and always loved the everything that they've been putting out um and so that hadn't always been kind of a goal never really thought it was going to happen but I was like you know that'd be cool one day yeah yeah and I think basically they contacted me and asked me uh, if I wanted to come on and uh, I think they had kind of seen the stuff from because they're good friends with Jose um, and I think that they had seen some of the stuff that had been happening there and I had kind of met them a little bit uh, the owners I met them a little bit just on kind of events around the South Bay mm-hmm. and I think that they were like you know there's this South Bay's new surfer kid like maybe we'll get him a chance yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and I think I was just kind of like a rite of passage for me to be able to have a company like that that's mm-hmm. after moving to Hermosa having a proper Hermosa based company um, like that to kind of support me and that's been really cool unfortunately it happened kind of right at the start of COVID uh, yeah. so we haven't been able to have a whole lot of meetups and things like that right. since but there's some stuff in the works so that's awesome yeah <laughs> no they're a great company I love how they always used to have the uh, the teepee at the hot dogger <laughs> yes. they have that huge they're like they're like we're here I'm like well everybody could fucking see that you're there exactly. like, like we get it we get it <laughs> no I, th- I think it's great that like it's interesting that you're like being supported by like a shaper that's local and a clothing company that's local but then it's like your, your fin company is like halfway around the world <laughs> exactly. like it's kind of like you're very global you're very international which is great mm-hmm. um, now one thing that you've been very active uh, in, and I've noticed this, you know, from following you, is that on, on the contest scene, and it could be mm-hmm. whether, like, you've entered WSL contest, you've entered a lot of the local contests. Um, how important is the contest thing to you, and, and if, if so, why? It's, for me, it, it's been a thing of mine always growing up. It's been... I mean, like I said, I started my first contest when I was four. Yeah. Um, and so contest surfing has been a huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of why I enjoy it so much and part of why I do it so much, mm-hmm. uh, I think is based on my upbringing with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I got brought up with my contests were the Sano contest, the Sano Surf Club contest. Yeah. And that's what I got so used to doing for four years old every year up until like teenagers yeah. And after then, moved over to the high school and middle school contests. And all of those contests were so much more about fun than it was about winning. Uh-huh. Um, especially as a Grom growing up in Sano contests. Like, yeah. that was my favorite weekend of the whole year. Was yeah. being able to go and spend an entire weekend down at the beach with your friends. Oh, yeah. Who could complain about that? Exactly. Yeah. And I think the more I did it, the more I just really enjoyed it. And, you know, it's a good excuse to be able to surf one of your favorite ways with up to five people out. Well, see, that's see, that's <laughs> the thing that like everybody that I talk to who does a lot of contests, that's exactly the thing they always bring up more than anything else. They're mm-hmm. like, like a Malibu, right? They're like, think about it. You get probably in a heat, even if you lose the first heat, you get five set Malibu waves. 
by yourself. That is never going to happen again, if you're, like <laughs> ever in your life. So the only way it happens is if you enter a contest. So I thought that was like an interesting take. Like I never thought of it that way. It's like, mm. huh? It's like even if you eat shit on the first heat, <laughs> you still get like four to five really good waves that you probably won't get all summer. You know, it's not a bad deal for like fifty bucks. I would do that, like ten bucks a wave. Like, sure, why not? <laughs> it's not a big deal. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think for me too, like, so you're there, and uh, there's, you know, it's no secret. Half the time when you go surf contest, the waves are awful. Yeah. Um, oh my god. But. A lot of the times you go and the waves are, I mean, I've had some of my best sessions ever were, have been during contests. There was yeah. one year at the, I think it was the MSA contest and there was a swell that was, it was like six to seven foot. Oh geez. And I just remember, and I think going through it a lot of like, it was those moments of like, I just want to get, you know, those good waves at a contest. It's yeah. so great. And then there is obviously it's, it does feel good to win. It feels good to do well. Um, but I think I've always been brought up with the point of those contests, the point of any contest isn't to win. If you're there and you're getting frustrated, if you're getting pissed off because you didn't do well, um, you probably shouldn't be there. You're not there for the right reasons. Yeah. Because what's the point of spending that money? Because, you know, at the end of the day, we're longboarders. It's not like any one of us is really going to make it big, make big butts by winning one contest, even the really good ones. Yeah. It's not like shortboarding. So the point of any of these, I think, really is to have fun that's kind of something i've tried my best to implement in my in my own mentality and i think that especially started to happen once i got invited to the club contest the coalition Uh um and you start to go into this whole team mentality you start to meet all of these new people in your age division i've been lucky enough where now i'm in the men's division that i think it's like 20 to 29 Uh um and everyone that pretty much i've ever served with in that in that age division within the coalition has been such cool people and I think everyone else really kind of models that mentality as well we're all there to have a good time see that's it's, good yeah and I, and I think that's been huge and you know I I've, I've had moments and th- I think that's like a big difference in my experiences as far as longboarding and shortboarding as far as contests go I think with shortboarding you have such a higher potential yeah you, know, you have real pros that can really make proper livings doing pro surfing and on the WSL tour and making it big through that and I think with longboarding that's not quite there so people tend to be a little bit more lax I've gone back and done college shortboarding contests and haven't even gotten a wave because I've just gotten back paddled on every single one yeah and then but like I go out for a club contest and you know people are cheering you into waves yeah. And you're getting a good one and people are all stoked. And everyone goes in at the end of the heat and all high fives. Like, oh, no, I think you want it. No, I think you want it. And so, yeah, it's way, cool, way cooler. Yeah. I mean, even something like as, like, like uh, basic as, like, I don't want to say basic, but as, like, homegrown as the hot dogger has that vibe, right? Oh, yeah. I think especially the hot dogger. Because it's such <laughs> shitty waves. Exactly. Like, everybody's like, look, you know, whatever happens, happens mm-hmm. kind of thing. But, see, you've done those, but then you've also, in contrast, also done some of the WSL ones so is the vibe at the WSL ones different and if so how definitely I think once you uh, once you start to do the WSL it's there's more of a high stake to it Uh Um, you have like you know real money involved um, as opposed to even you know some of the local pro contests that there is money but it's not quite the same as the WSL money for most of it and I think that does generally change people I think there's a different demographic of people that tend to do the WSL Uh too uh, and people tend to take it a little bit more seriously. Um, and that was definitely one thing I noticed. But even still, when I was doing the WSL, um, there was a 
good amount of heats I had where everyone in it was smiling and high-fiving and See, that's good. I had one heat in New York it was the first heat that I it I think it was the first heat I ever did I want to say I can't remember if that was before or after uh, Spain but it was one of my first heats ever for the WSL and it was me a local guy um, I'm forgetting one of his names but it was I just remember tiling out with Dane Perley uh -huh. and Dane Perley if you don't know is the world's oldest Rom. Yeah. Um, yeah. Always, always frothing. <laughs> exactly. And I just remember, and, and the one of the other guys on there was a Dane Pearly team rider too, and we were just, that was one of the most fun heats I think I've ever had. The waves were not good. No, and, it's New York. It's yeah, why, exactly. It's why I didn't start surfing until I moved here. Come on, please. Like. <laughs> and we were, and like the waves were bad, but like we were all just having the best time. I remember Dane did like a chop hop air on his like crazy wide like nine foot parts. something yeah, yeah it was nuts um but yeah even some of those wsl heats you could still have a pretty dang good time well i think it, it comes a lot from like just being longboarders right like mm -hmm. you know you're not you're not longboarding for like you're doing it for the love of it like you don't see like a long term like it's not like shortboarding where you're like okay i need to have six stickers on my board and i need to do this and blah 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 like longboarding is like yeah, I just like kind of like patched my board together last night. Like my fins aren't here. I'm gonna try someone else's <laughs> fin. I'm not gonna sweat it. At least I'm able to surf. You know, it's a different. You're. I think, for the most part, you're. Everybody's coming into it from a different place to start with versus being like, I gotta do my trigger exercises before I do my heat, and I have to do. The, you know, it's. Mm -hmm. a I, I think that sets it. Even if there are some people who are more competitive than not, which. I, I've gone to them and I've seen there's some people that I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'd surf with you at Sano. But, um, <laughs> like, I, I, I get it. Uh, now, when it comes to, like, contests, you know, because you've done so many different different venues and, and countries and all this kind of stuff, you know, one of the things that, like, a lot of people are, especially with the advent of the Olympics, like, when they were doing surfing the Olympics, they were like, okay, well, you know, if they're going to do it in the Olympics, they need to have it someplace where it's an even playground, right? Like, mm -hmm. gymnastics, like, they all perform on the same apparatus. And the thought of the wave pool thing came up, and mm -hmm. which is a very controversial thing. Um, you got to surf the Kelly's wave pool recently. Mm -hmm. um, how did that come about? So that was, I had a friend of mine who had been invited to to go uh -huh. uh, along with a, a you know big group. Yeah. And they were like, you know, there's some extra spots. Can I invite a couple of my friends? And so just, you know, basically a friend of a friend, yeah. I was able to get into the spot. Um, and... It wasn't like, you know, a whole invite, we're gonna pay the whole day for you. We yeah, still yeah. had to go and do the whole thing. So we had a giant, I think we had 27, 30 Whoa. people there in our group. Um, Cause that's the only way that you can make it somewhat affordable. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to get in that way. And it was a few people there had done it before. Um, but for most of us, it was our first time and it was insane. Yeah. <laughs> Such a fun wave. And it's so, I think, you know, there's there's definitely a huge debate as to wave pools in themselves. You know, yeah. is, do they even have a place in surfing? Um, are they going to replace normal surfing? What are they going to do to the crowds? And are they going to, you know, transplant all these people from inland to be surfers and start moving towards the coast and crowding the lineups? And so there was definitely, that was on my mind of going over there. You know, yeah. what's this actually going to be like? Is this going to kind of validate what I've been thinking? Is this going to kind of take away from what real surfing is um and i like as incredible as that wave was it's one of the most fun waves to surf i've ever surfed in my life it doesn't 
feel like a real wave, if that makes sense. It so definitely it does feel like a little off. It does, yeah. I, at least for me, it felt artificial. No, because this is this is not something I've not heard before. So I've heard this yeah. before. Like they people can't put their finger on it, but there's something weird about it. For sure, and I think like it. I don't know. For me, it felt stationary almost. It, which is ironic in a way because that wave is so incredibly fast. Yeah. And it feels like the, I think with the unpredictability of a re, uh, like a wave in the ocean, uh-huh. you have so much that's going on. Any any good section you have is a gift, really. Yeah, yeah. And there's so there's so much unpredictability with it. And I think with a wave that's so predictable and consistent. Yeah. Every time it's going to be basically the exact same wave. To me, it kind of felt like the wave was almost forming around you, more so than you were kind of riding the wave. Oh, that's an interesting um, way to put it, yeah. And, and it, I think especially, I think part of that too was the fact that it is fresh water. There definitely is a difference of the feel. The buoyancy is different. Yeah. yeah and the te- there's, mm. there's a density difference. And that, I can imagine, would be... I mean, I've tried to surf on, like, um, behind a speedboat on a lake, mm-hmm. and it doesn't... It does not feel like... It felt weird. Like the board, the wave went in the water. I was like, this, it, it threw mm-hmm. me off. So, like, I could imagine that. Yeah, and I think the saving grace for that wave is because it's so fast. That so, you don't, it's, yeah, you're able to kind of overcome that buoyancy, but you, it still feels a little bit off. And I think, you know, if you get barreled in it, you're so used to getting so stoked like you're in the barrel. And it's a different experience, I think, there because at least when we went, the water was perfectly clear. So, you have this weirdly clear barrel around you and you can kind of smell the the chlorine the fresh water oh. so it almost it feels like you're at this it feels like you're at a wave pool um, it, ta- it takes the specialness out of it right a little bit yeah i i think it takes the specialness out of it but it doesn't take the fun out of it because yeah, i think yeah no no that that i could see yeah yeah and i and i think that was the thing like I think if I had gotten any one of those waves that I got when I was yeah. there in the actual ocean, oh, forget it. I would have been f- like freaking out for the next month. Yeah, um, well, but that's because I think like in the real world, or if you want to call it that, there's so many different factors that have to happen for you to get that wave, mm-hmm. right? Like it, ha- you gotta, it's got a barrel. You gotta be in the right spot. You gotta take off right. Blah blah blah. This is like you automatically know this wave is going to barrel at this spot. Mm-hmm. Like you know, it's. That's how, at least, like, I've never been on it. That's how I perceived it for me. Like, I'm like, when they show, like, people, like, NFL quarterbacks get barreled, I'm like, that person will never even ride a real wave in the ocean. Like, will never even know what the (laughs) fuck to do. Because it's like, that's, they're like, okay, drop in here and just stand up. It's like, all right, well, I guess, yeah, I guess we can do that. Um, I think there is, do you think there's a place in contest surfing for it? I do. Yeah, I, I, I think, like, there... There's specific places for it, at, at least in my mind. I think when the WSL started putting it on the tour, yeah, um, it's you know it's a really cool concept. Like what happens when you take all of the unpredictability out of it, uh-huh. um, and I think the concept itself was so cool. And then the contest happens. Like, well, oh yeah, but now every single surfer is surfing the exact same wave, and I think that kind of is a almost even a larger thing of like. Well, why is that boring? Is that because the wave itself is boring? Or is that because a lot of the top pro shortboarders tend to surf exactly the same? Um, And there's not as much of an emphasis on style. I think for me personally, it's been a lot more interesting to watch some of the longboarders surf that wave. Uh Because there's so much more of a difference in how they approach that wave. So when you watch, say, Gabriel Medina, Felipe Toledo, who 
murder that wave. Yeah. But you know that like they're gonna go and they're gonna do like fifty giant hits. They're gonna do an error. They're gonna get barreled. Whereas you know when they're making that bottom turn, what's coming next? Exactly. You, you it's like telegraph. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, air reverse. Yeah, and yeah. then like you had that one wave. I think it was with Tom Curran yeah. on that first contest that they have, and it was like, no, that's what I want to see. Yeah, I want to see those guys, like, guys like, it like yeah, that. Mikey February, yeah. um, Craig Anderson. Like, I want to see those guys really surf that yeah. wave. That's what's interesting. And I think for contests, like you have things like the Stab High contest yeah. at Waco, yeah. where that I think is a much more. It's a, it's a better use I think for a wave. Pool that's for also a, a very different different wave. Like yeah. in a sense, it's like. It's closer to a realistic wave. Mm-hmm. Like, it's sections. It's, like, kind of goofy. It's, like, even though it's consistently goofy, like, it's not a fucking barrel that's just, like, going yeah. straight. You're, like, okay, like, I have basically two seconds to try to do an error. If not, like, at the at Kelly's wave, it's, like, I could probably pump for, like, ten seconds and see if my feet are set up and then pick a line. Like Exactly. Yeah, yeah and I, I've never been to the Waco one. I really want to, but I think that's why I really want to go to the wake away pools because I heard it's, it's amazing yeah just because it i feel like it would mimic more of like a real it, like yeah. more of that validation of surfing a real wave yeah um but i think the kelly's wave pool is more of like it's just an experience it's just such a cool like that wave is so perfect yeah. it doesn't have that same sort of re- necessarily reward as like if you were to do something really good in the ocean or at yeah. something more dynamic like Waco yeah. but the experience itself like where else are you going to go get a 13 second long barrel yeah nowhere else <laughs> yeah. I, I mean the one thing that I think is the term good surfer however it's put I think what makes like a good surfer or not a good surfer isn't necessarily even their ability to what they do on the wave it's like picking out the wave knowing where to take off and like I think that's the thing that a lot the wave pool like eliminates a lot, and I do think that's why. Let's say they build wave pools everywhere: Arizona, New Mexico, mm-hmm. name a place. Like they build twenty around the world. I don't think you're gonna have those same people go to the ocean, or if they do go to the ocean, it's gonna be a, a big wake up call where they're not gonna be able to even like take off on a wave. Like they're not gonna even know what to do because it's a much different mm-hmm. thing, you know? Yeah, for sure, and I think. I totally agree with that, especially like I've known since I was a lifeguard for many years. And one thing that we went through a lot as lifeguards was we'd get these people who would come over to the beach. And like, no, no, I'm I'm a really good swimmer. I swim in the pool oh, yeah, all the time. No, no, no. Uh, like, you know, they can swim the lap in however many seconds. It's great. And then they go out in the water and they almost drown because they don't realize swim, like anything in the ocean is nothing like anything in the pool. Yeah, It's such a Big. different entirely thing altogether. Yeah. Uh, it's so much more different and difficult to do anything swimming surfing bodyboarding whatever it might be there's so much more energy to it and i think especially with like the wave pools i think you're totally right there's only a certain amount that a wave pool can really teach you from if you're trying to learn yeah um i think really almost what's going to happen is as these kind of get more diverse you're going to get more people traveling to non-surf destinations to go on surf trips yeah which I think it's awesome because that leaves all these other places that they really would have gone for less people. And like you have the the new the newest one I've seen is the one in Switzerland. Yeah. Um, the Olea Bay, and that one like that looks super fun. Such a cool concept. And same thing like, who would go to Switzerland for a surf excursion? Some rich dude who's not going to go surf trestles. Yeah. I'll tell you that. Exactly. Like you're not gonna you're that. To your point, you're not that same person is not a trestles person. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's not. It's not as much as people are scared. That's what it's going to do. That's going to breathe. It's not going to. And I think that's that's good because then, in a way, 
it gives accessibility to surfing, right? Which hopefully grows the financial side of the surf industry, right? So if there's more money in that, hopefully more people get paid mm -hmm. without disturbing the natural resources we have, right? Like that's kind of cool. I do think it's crazy when you hear this company that got a permit to build a wave pool in Oahu, which I was like, okay, this is like kind of ridiculous. Like, why are you going to build a wave pool where like the best <laughs> wave is like uh -huh. the seven mile stretch during the winter is like the best thing in the universe. And you're like, I'm going to put a wave pool in the middle of this island. Like, but yeah, there's all different versions of it. I personally like, like, I remember I was so adamant about like, this is bullshit. Fuck this, blah, blah. And you know, people change and you learn and talking to more people. I'm like, Hey, it has its place. It's not, mm -hmm. it might not be for me and it's not going to be my daily grinder, but you know, I'd like to go to Waco once or twice. I'd like to see Kelly's in person. I'd like to see the plunger one. You know the plunger one? Yeah. Dude, that one looks... See, that's, that's the one I'm hyped that's, on. That's, yep, same. Yeah, that's the one I'm like, yo, this is like what I'm talking about. Big, first of all, I can't imagine what it would be like to just sit in the water and see a plunger the size of a building hit the water. Like, I would just like, I would sit there and just stare at it and be like, this is crazy. And some of the, you know what's interesting about how they're trying to sell these wave pools business-wise to locations. They're basically claiming that it takes less water and less energy to build a, to um, run a wave pool than it does a golf course. That does make sense. So this is the financial yeah. side of it because I know a couple of people, I, I can't name who they are, have consulted with companies and they were telling me the story. They were like, that's basically the big business pitch to country clubs around the country. They're like, hey, you will make more money. Golf is dying. This costs less to run. Your initial investment in building it is a shit ton. But once it's built, to run it is a lot less. And you could sell it as a fake beach and do like cabanas and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so for people like, let's say in Chicago, the Midwest or something, the middle of nowhere, people who don't have access to the beach all of a sudden have access to the beach, not just for surfing. That's the other thing. The ripple effect of that is like in the shallow, they have like a beach set up for people to hang out. Mm -hmm. So they're selling these vacation packages. I mean, it's kind of crazy because we're headed to this world of like living in like capsules and COVID is making that happen and stuff. <laughs> and so this is going to be another example. Like I wouldn't doubt it that like in like when Brooklyn is like 10 years old that there's going to be like, oh yeah, there's this resort and it's in a capsule and it's like on the top of like Mount Everest and you can surf there. I'd be like, yeah, I believe that. That's yeah. pretty much what's going to happen. That's what of. it's all going towards, yeah. right? <laughs> no, but I, was, I think, you know, it's like I used to be one of those people, biggest detractors of it and I think it has its place. I think you brought up a lot of good things. It's quote unquote, it's not real surfing. Of course, we all know that. And I think that was the thing that scared a lot of people. A lot of mm -hmm. people I think were scared, right? They were like, fuck, what is this gonna do? But um, I think it's, it, 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 it's not the worst thing in the world. Now, speaking of the finance side of things, and I kind of wanted to end on sort of this kind of stuff. Do you think it's possible to make a living from longboarding? And if not, what do you think needs to change to possibly make that happen? I think, I mean, at the end of the day, anything's possible. I think, and, you know, there's people right now who can exemplify that of being able to make a living by just longboarding. Yeah. I think the key with longboarding compared to shortboarding or any other professional sport is it's way more rare. And I think that was one thing, you know, growing up, like I said, I always wanted to be a professional surfer. And then I got to a point where it's like, well, I guess I kind of, I mean, I did a WSL contest. Does that make me a professional surfer? You know? I mean, you're, you're getting, there's potential, there's pay. I mean, I guess. Yeah. And it, like at a certain point, it's like, okay, well, that's the thing. But uh, that wasn't exactly what I thought it was necessarily. Yeah. It's, you know, it's not this 
dream that I think has been sold to a lot of people of, you know, every professional surfer is all they do all day is just surf. Yeah. And I think what it's more transformed to in my mind of having like being a quote unquote professional surfer, at least in our area of longboarding, mm-hmm. is finding a way to where you can surf as much as you possibly can. Whether that mean having a different whether that means having a different job to support that. Uh-huh. Um, I just think right now with a lot of the ways it's going out, um, you know, the prize purse in some of these, you know, super high level professional contests is if you win you get, you know, five grand. 10 grand maybe yeah. uh, which is awesome and I think any amount yeah, of money that you relative, can get yeah. in the relative world that's like that doesn't that doesn't cover a lot of bills that maybe pays for the trip that you just spent to get there and then maybe another one after that yeah that's yeah, that yeah. Doesn't, that's not because that's the other thing that people forget too is when they look at these contests that's the thing that like from an outside perspective they don't realize is like you know Worm and I talk about this all the time okay you gotta take off time from work so the time you took off from work you're not making money from there that goes out the window and you got to pay time, money for the travel. Hmm. All right. Got to pay for that. Got to pay money to stay. Okay. Got to pay for the entry fee. You got to hope that in that contest, you come out ahead of not just paying that money out, but losing that money out that you had mm-hmm. from the job. Yeah. So, I mean, that's tough. That's a tough thing. That's the thing that like, you know, I remember when the WSL contest was happening in New York, the one that you were in, and I was watching it on TV. One of the um, announcers commentators whatever you want to call them she was really good in explaining that like hey in this world of surfing there's more people in the water that have degrees and real jobs than in any other world of surfing because they have to Hmm. because they basically most of these people did go to college they know that this is not going to pay 100 percent of their bills and then they have jobs that make it flexible you know whether they work in like the food industry is like a big one right like you Hmm. have bakers and chefs who are like hey look i'll work two months straight can you give me a month off so I could go to Australia and film and all this kind of shit, blah, 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 and all this stuff. Um, I think, I think from, you know, the financial side, I don't think longboarding will ever make the money that shortboarding will because of the machine that's in place. But I do think it will get close if more attention's put on it. And I know that was one of Devin's objectives with the WSL mm-hmm. and COVID fucked that all up. But to be <laughs> honest, he was, he fucked up a lot of shit. But um, he, that was a good point when I was talking to him about it that I thought was really important is that we live in a world where marketing metrics count. Mm-hmm. So Instagram followers, um, eyeballs, all that stuff. That's what a company bases its sponsorship and its money on. Rightfully so. As much as people want to bitch about that shit, at mm-hmm. the end of the day, if I own a huge company, I need to have some math behind why I'm giving you money and how much money I'm giving you. And the only way that could happen potentially is with the exposure of, of surfers and also them being in control of their exposure. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's, it's, it's a tough thing. Cause like, look, at the end of the day, I want to see all you guys get paid. You know, it would be a perfect world if all you guys got to do was surf. I just don't think, I think it's the power balance is going to get closer. I just don't think it's going to be like shortboarding because I don't think, I don't know. Well, I think, you know, with, with shortboarding, I think the, the real key there and the key why that can be so much more successful is it's so much more high octane. There's so much more energy going into that. You know, True. you don't necessarily have a lot of longboarders going to Chopu and surfing when it's 20 foot, yeah. except for Kalia Moniz, yeah. um, which is crazy. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's what it, you can market longboarding to the millions of longboarders that there are on the coast. 
but it's a lot more difficult to market someone hanging 10 for five seconds to a guy in Kansas than it is to say to this guy in Kansas, hey, here's this guy getting a stand-up 20-foot barrel and getting spat out of it. They don't need to understand what surfing is to know that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think that's that's the main difference in the marketability of it. And I think you're totally right. You know, with as much as you know, we want this to be equal pay or whatever that might be, or be able to have that same opportunity. At the end of the day, you do need something to back that up. And not only do you just need like, hey, this is the amount of people that might watch it. You need to go. This is the growth that we've been seeing. Yeah. This is exactly the numbers behind what we're doing right now yeah. and this is the evidence that backs this up and i think that's the only way that your any company is going to go yeah okay i'll give you millions of dollars to be able to do this yeah and maybe if they did give millions of dollars that might you know turn into something yeah but you can't just risk your entire company no no you or can't. all of that money on a hunch yeah um, no there's a gamble there i think that's where it's like you know this is like such an odd thing to bring up and it's something i th- i think about a little bit because I do want to see everybody get paid and I want them to get paid for their talent more than anything else is that, you know, it's like one of the things that happened in skateboarding, like in skateboarding, like money was just getting thrown around and there was no like, no real kind of like gauge of like why someone was getting paid so much. It was like, all right, your contract this much. And then these guys started a talent agency for skateboarders and they're like, hey, look, you're an 18 year old kid who smokes weed all day and throws yourself downstairs. You're one of the best skateboarders in the world. And Nike's offering you a contract we will be your agent so they don't fuck you. Like, we'll take our 10%, but we'll make sure you get the best contract. I think in a way, longboarding almost needs somebody or something on that level where they explain to companies the true value of longboarding. Like, for instance, like the thing that I always bring up is like, if you take the average longboarder who's serious about it, their boards on average cost twelve dollars to $1,400. Their wetsuits, they usually buy Japanese better made wetsuits. They're, What's it's usually 600 bucks. They own a couple of boards. The amount of money they are putting into that love, culture, whatever it is, is significantly higher than the people who buy a random shortboard at Jack's and a Vista wetsuit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like how much money they are actually putting into. Now, while it might not be the size of a shortboard audience, the quality of that person is so much more. Mm-hmm. They're consumers that like are educated, that look into what they're buying. They don't buy the cheapest thing. They want a personal connection. Like I need, I think there needs to be someone who tells that story to major companies and says, look, this is an, like, this is an audience you could tap into. This is an audience that's gonna not spend, they're not gonna buy 500 of something, but they'll buy 50 of something that's way more expensive. You know, like I almost think there needs to be some way of telling that story to like these companies, like walking into companies and being like, all right, Procter and Gamble, here's the deal. You want to break into this with your higher end skincare line? Here's the audience. And this is why, you know, mm-hmm. Pepsi, like you have this new product that's like more expensive. Guess what? Fuck trying to sell it to the masses. Why don't you get these people to like do it? You know, I don't know. It's something that I've like always thought about because I look at like how you guys like, like that, the payment structure, you know, because like with the shortboarding thing, there's a gazillion people and there's a gazillion companies and they throw a gazillion dollars out and they throw a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I don't like, for me, it's like, I, I don't understand why it's like, Hey, look, like, you know, you look at someone like target, like I'm like, as much as I'm stoked that like target sponsors Carissa Moore, which rightfully they should. I don't understand why those companies are not getting involved in longboarding. Also because longboarding, while what you said is very true. Someone could look at someone getting a barrel and just 
that wave is huge. Mm -hmm. The guy's physique is amazing. He's deep in it. I don't even know shit about surfing, but I know I would not be caught dead doing that because it's crazy and awesome. The flip side of longboarding is that it's very accessible. Mm -hmm. It's very, and that almost needs to be something that gets played up, I think, with companies a little bit more to be like, hey, look, like, not only can these people, like, enjoy looking at this, they can actually start doing it. This is the entry point to surfing, mm -hmm. and then it can be good. I know I'm kind of going on a tangent. When it comes to the money thing, like, I'm always like, how do we figure this thing out? Yeah, but I think, I, I mean, the good thing with that, at least, is it's, you know, it's a blessing and a curse, as much as we want to have that money and have like real professional like a fleet of real professional longboarders yeah. uh at the same time without that money it really transforms that sport into being so much more of a soul sport of that's very people true. are doing it not for the money but because they want it. and i think that's a big reason why you know growing up in those contests like i mentioned everyone who serves them is always in it for the fun or at least for the most part and i think that's what keeps that so much more fun such a better atmosphere yeah. Um, as much as we like you know it's a blessing and a curse yeah I think yeah I, I, I think there's some way to like get somewhere in the middle and I hopefully you know it's something mm -hmm. that we'll get there some way um, I want to wrap this up with like two questions one which has been kind of getting to me about you which I'm very curious about what is the deal with the obsession with paella <laughs> like you're showing up at contests and you're surfing and you're also cooking so I want to know where this came from that was that was kind of a fluke to be honest um so I, I mean i guess it kind of really started my first time going to spain having paella there uh -huh. um that was kind of my introduction to it and then uh we ended up during the start of covid we were up in northern california for a while and we ended up the first time you know things started to kind of die down a little yeah, bit yeah. we invited you know a couple people over to have dinner and the people that we invited over were of Spanish descent. Uh -huh. We were like, you know, what, what can we make them? Like, make them something Spanish and I looked it up. I was like, oh, we can make paella. I had yeah. that once. That was really good. Yeah. So I went to make paella and the first time I made, I made a big cast iron pan and completely thought I ruined it because I burnt the whole no, bottom. No, 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 no. That's a good thing. Exactly. And I ended up <laughs> scraping everything off the top to not get the bottom crust and served it to them. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, it was really good. I just wish I had more crust. Oh, wait, you're supposed to have that. Yeah. And so they invited me over to their house a few weeks later. They were like, no, 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 this is how we're going to do it. And they, like, showed me this big, giant book of paella, and they did it. So when we finally got back home, we ordered a paella pan. Yeah. And with direction from my friend Santi, who is the one who found our boards uh, in Spain. You know, calling him, like, hey, how do I do this? And like, getting the directions. Um, that's kind of when that really started. And then we decided, you know, well, let's upgrade our paella pan we bought one that we thought was going to be a little bit bigger and turned out to be the biggest pan i've ever seen in my entire life yeah, <laughs> well i guess we're this is our thing now <laughs> you gotta get a burner and all that shit yep yeah that was a christmas present that morgan got me uh i think last christmas the christmas before yeah i love seeing it like when i saw it from the oceanside contest i'm like i'm gonna be honest I'd rather watch this than any contest footage. Like, I was like, I'd rather watch you make paella and, like, see people eat that than, like, I was like, I don't give a shit about the waves. I don't care what anyone plays. I was like, I want to see what the finished product is. Um, is there any, like, future goals with the paella? Or is it just, like, a labor of love? Uh, just the labor of love, I think. I mean, honestly, now, like, that was one of the big goals was take it down to a contest one time, one, like, once and try and cook for everyone. Uh, and now that we have that giant pan that we yeah. can actually do that with I don't think, like, that thing's probably like four feet across or mm -hmm. something ridiculous 
Um, and I think, you know, from here on out, it's, I just want that to be a thing. Of, so, what, by the way, which surf club are you in? So right now, I actually just started with the Bay City Surf Club. So now, is that going to be a constant at the Bay City Surf Club booth? That's what I want to know. And do people, you know, like, do people want to know? So that's what we were saying uh, this, you know, when we were doing it at the Oceanside Contest. Was like, Does this really mean that this is going to be our thing now? And I, I would love it to be a thing because, honestly, the great thing about paella is it's not that difficult to make. Yeah. It just takes a lot of ingredients, and you can prep it all the night before and bring yeah. it in a cooler. And I think, you know... We just started back up that club after it's been dormant for so many years. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, that might be a good advertising for I us. I think so. Maybe I the think club. I think if you got <laughs> what you guys should do is you should get like a local seafood purveyor to be your sponsor, for a sponsor for the club, and that be like, hey, we always have paella at our booth, so people could sample your like seafood. Yeah. And you get them to pay for your your, your surf club. I swear, and I will say like that last batch we made, we fed our entire club plus about like. Probably in another entire club's worth, and we still have some left over. Have you ever seen, um, so there was, you know Padma Lashki? No. She's the, the, she's the host of Top Chef. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. so her. So she used to have this show where she used to travel, like, it was uh, pre-Top Chef, where she traveled to different areas and, like, explained, like, you know, the basic food. Like, oh, this is what, like, for, this is what pizza, where it comes from, and this is where paella comes from. And there was this one time, I... I have this ingrained in my head. They showed this person making paella, paella somewhere in Valencia, and the pan, I shit you not, the pan was probably like about like 20 feet across. And he has knee pads on. He has basically equipment that looks like you use to like, like shovel snow out of your driveway. And he's making paella on this fucking 20 foot thing. Like it's mm-hmm. fucking insane. And it was like for this big paella festival. Why I'm bringing this up is like you never know. You might wind up being like the whole booth. Yeah. Just like one big paella pan. Yeah. I'd be for. I go to a contest. It, it's also not a bad way for you guys to raise money for you. That's what we were saying. We we're like, you know what? Screw a bake sale. Let's have a paella. No, sale. no, no. You should. You should totally every contest. You guys should set that up and be like, hey, if you want it, it's like three bucks. Like make it cheap. Make it so it's like covers your guys' stuff. You guys will be gold. Oh yeah. Um, I was just like enjoying that I, and, and like again going back to the contest thing I love stuff like that that you could bring like that kind of stuff I think I think more surf clubs need to kind of bring that kind of stuff into it so it's not just like hanging out at the booth talking about surfing and bullshitting and trying to sell some t-shirts it's like you know let's have something a little different um, I'm going to end this uh, interview with a question I ask everybody what's your favorite break to surf and why that's a tough one uh, I'll say I think I'm gonna go with my old standard of, I think my favorite wave from the moment I moved there to now to probably forever is probably gonna be Cardiff. And I think the reason why I say that is it's just such a versatile wave. It's a versatile wave and it's also a difficult wave, which is nice. It's on the same day you can get barreled and go out and take a longboard out four hours later and get the best nose ride of your life, which is amazing. And I think part of my draw to it is the fact that it's a very, particular wave and that was something I learned from surfing it like every day for so long yeah of it got to a point where that wave gets really crowded and yeah it got to a point of well crowds aren't necessarily that bad because if you know that wave really well you know exactly where to sit and I think there's that's a wave where wave knowledge comes in to play so much more than a lot of other waves I've surfed so it kind of keeps it to where you can always go there and have a good time and get some good waves. 
And I think it's such a wide open wave. There's so many different peaks to it. There's so yeah. many different places to surf. So you never get bored. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> never get bored. You always get challenged. For sure. Um, who would you like to thank? Shout out as we close this off. Gosh, I mean, well, obviously, gotta thank Jose Barahona, Hippie Tree, uh, Macho Fins, Barefoot Surf Wax, which is another one of my sponsors, are down in Huntington. Um, other than that, just Morgan, my fiance, for always pushing. Yeah, don't me. forget that one. That yeah, was a no, major that's fuck out. <laughs> she always pushes me to be a better surfer, a better human. So she's been a huge part of. You guys are, quite frankly, the cutest surf couple. So, like, I think it's, I think it's great. I can't wait till you guys get married. Yeah, like, that's that's what we're going for. Awesome. <laughs> uh, thanks for sitting down with us, and uh, see you out there. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks to Christian for sitting down with us. I always love speaking to surfers who have a lot of stuff going on and are interesting and, and see the bigger picture. And I think Christian's really good at that. Besides being an amazing surfer, he really understands what's going on in life. A lot of us tend to get caught up in our little vacuum bubble, especially I've noticed it a lot here in Southern Orange County. A lot of the surfers really, as much as they might have traveled around the world, they're kind of pretty clueless about the world uh, because they've been living in this little like I hate to say it, like white boy suburban beach bubble. And um, it's nice to meet someone like Christian who's been around the world. He knows the ins and outs of what's going to happen with longboarding in his career and is realistic about it. And so it was great to have a conversation with him. His energy is also really amazing. Uh, but yeah, hope you guys enjoyed that and uh, wanted to uh, Mix it up again a little bit, some more underground tracks, and when we come back, we'll be sitting down with uh, the commission, Mr. Devin Howard. Peace! Technicolor flags, this shit is bugged out. 
I stay true to who I am and won't change While metrosexual MCs is effing up the game Y'all lame, my aim is precise at y'all career I ride through your town like Paul Revere All adhere to my verse while I'm spitting My talent in the box, yours doesn't fit it On some whole potent shit, I eat my vitamins Deep like Leviathan, creeping through Ireland Trying to win and get gold nuggets like Iverson He ain't your merch, shut the game down Try again It's a tool for them to clog the mind. Conservatism, liberalism, they divide the line. The natural feelings of a child is to be common kind. Then they show you ass for the Marines and they decide it's time. So they can send you to a war behind their father crime. Then send you home and send a limb and not provide a dime. And the news tell you cops is on the block for people. I'ma put it simple and plain, cops is evil. Take the television, show cops, for example. That's the shit they want America to watch and sample. Never showing you how dirty that they really is. And that they hide behind a badge and that they really bitch. I ain't never met a pig in my life that I ain't wanna catch a body on or jig of my knife. Yeah, that's another fucking topic for another day. I'ma tell you how to try to get you in another way. They tell you that there's something wrong with you, you need their drugs. But there ain't nothing fucking wrong with you, they big and thugs. They sell drugs and commercials at the same time. Lock a motherfucker up for the same crime.
That's right, back for seconds. Y'all got it back, it's like a Black Sabbath record. It's like they're trying to get the message. Deep in the recession, people reaching for their weapons. I'm just setting, make a peaceful motherfucker violent, motivation rapping. Styling when they stomach growling. They go for self strength and numbers. No one's an island. Speak your mind, but always respect the code of silence. Give you a share like a corporation going public. These rap dudes acting like puppets. They all over budget. You know you love it as blacksmith and back with my Cali brothers. Tell these other rappers, pack their luggage. Bags under my eyes, you're staying up late recording. The flow is potent and get you pregnant like Tracy Morgan. We taking over, back to work like my breakers over. Next up, steady arms and hammers like bacon soda. One sentence, burn them like cyanide to extinguish. Gasoline team, we couldn't extinguish. Degenerate gambler, rambler, bad English. Don't be mad at my dad, he made his lab mean it. <laughs> All fan loving warriors in the alleyway. Down the hallway and by the door, geeky Retarded star holding up the public stores. Make a wish less furnished the apartment. Short of black widow stinger, Leah chillin' feel Hartman style. With your child on the back of milk carts. I'm a cush smoking chimney. But chumps lost the chain of command and get choked for a measly grand. So stand for something, get kicked in your can for the slightest. By the hands of the blacksmith, brightest and tightest. We came here. Watching niggas go rogue like Republicans. I'm really not in the clubbing. I'm in the writing rap, smothering, covering all bets. You could always bet on the best. It's like butter, baby, prime call quest. If you can entertain them like Doug Fresh, when finesse is a quest, then you can get your money, be most deaf. But it ain't all about getting the check. Just get it off of your chest. Before you earn a dollar, earn your respect. Then you can get your net profit up. If they come up short, you can tell them cough it up. Now you bossing up, but not on us. I play the cut like Leo Sporin, to hit the road touring. When shit get boring, put excitement in your life. Precise words spoken through the mic, provoking you to be cold as ice. And I roll the dice like blacksmith, mad lib, steady quality. We on the grind, stick to punchlines like Ali. What up, man? Let's get real out here right now. So, oh, oh. wise up, fight for the right fight. You know, uh, which is like, check it. Uh, yeah, black power and brown pride. I can't even hold me when it pumps inside. The pride, my ancestors plan my demise. Damn. Slavery and even rape from a land time change. Pain reverse, it hurts seeing the first black president. All in the search from burnt damn churches. Mexicans birth in a revolution. Truth for one thing, certain. The dreams off, but they plan a divorce with poverty, drugs, and gang news reporting. But won't show how they forced it on us. United, they gon' need reinforcement. Dated back to 1910, united from the liberty of sin. In Mexico City, black kids. Uh, Try escape tragedy, gradually we did it. Now we're flowing to the most forgiven. Uh, yeah. Separated fan, confiscated landscape, advance in the slave trade, man-made horror. Lynching, mothers rape, damn size borders. Gave us rights like they did something for us. This when I write it like we're living the moment. Evil with the drama recorded. CA, rounded blacks wool over corners. Kill just to steal, pay rent, 
to the owner. Free, but I feel that we get played over. No jobs for us. Means of employment. Deal for the dealers. And guess how it's flown in? Consulting if you wake up. They slave in your brain in the school. Gangs fuel with each other. Don't mean rag, mean the color of your skin. What we can from the struggle. Saying. Empty with no brain, but the club a nerd, the best MC with no chain you ever heard. Take it from the tech nine holder. They bit and don't know they own shine from Shinola. Everything that glitter ain't fish scale. Let me think, don't let a faint get Ishmael. A shot of jack out of back, it's not an axe stack. Forgot about the cackalack, holla back. Clack, clack, lock up, villainy. Feel them in your heart, chocolate chart top and start shit, stop and be a smarter shopper. Shot a cop day around the way, bout to stay, but who to know it's too motor, wonder where the shooter go. Bout to jet, get him, not a bet, dead him. Let him spit, them, set him, got a lot of shit with him, let the rhythm hit him. It's stronger than the other voice, we mix the joints to make him spread him, butter moist, man, please. States made of panties, from the age of baby reaches on to the grannies, bandy the dough rake, daddy, the flow maker, fatty shake. Patty cake, patty cake, for faith. If you was a leader, baker, man, he'd take her for her masters. Hit it once and shake her hand on some old thank you, ma'am, and ghost her. She could mind the toaster if she signed the poster. A whole host of roller coaster riders. Not enough tracks, hot enough black. It's too hot to handle. You got blue sandals. Who shot you? Who got you? New spots to vandal. Do not stand still. Both show skills. Close but no krills. Toast for polils. Post no bills. Coast to coast. Joe Smoke's flows ill. Go chill. Not supposed to overdose. No dose pills. Offsides like walk ride with Starfleet. Off pride tights. Now talk wide with Scar me. Told ya. Want some get rich shit. As he get older, he get colder than a witch tit. This is it. Make no mistakes. Where my nigga go? Oh, Figaro, Figaro. Welcome back to Volume 74 of the Bodega Border Crew Podcast. How are you guys doing out there? Hope you guys like the tracks, the conversation, interview. That interview was kind of fun for me to do, so I wanted to share it. But let's do a little housekeeping. This is the Bodega Border Crew Podcast. Make sure to check us out on Instagram at Bodega Border Crew. Make sure to check out our website, bodegabordercrew.com, for merch. You want to buy fins? We have some new fins coming in. Uh, we have towels. We have a lot of stuff. Also, make sure to check out the episode description on your iTunes player for track listings and links to things that we're talking about. So, COVID's still around. It's going to be around for a while, but it's we've learned to deal and live with it a little bit better. And that's evident in the surf community, especially when it comes to competitions. There's been a lot of competitions that have been slowly happening. Obviously, from my personal taste, there's some competition organizers who got started a little too early with no... Uh, concept of protocols and uh, that's my own opinion based on science and learning and tons of medical doctors but you know whatever uh, but for the most part people have been putting on contests that have been pretty good you know that we had an Oceanside one that happened uh, we have a uh, one happening over at Sea Street the Peninsula uh, 
Longboard Festival just happened uh, this past weekend. Uh, so more and more contests are happening. And I was really excited to find out that the WSL is going to be back in action for Longboard Tour. Mostly because I think how Devin and the crew over there started it was so strong uh, in February of 2020 that it kind of sucked that they lost momentum on it. And I think his plans for how to recover that momentum, at least to end that season off, is pretty good. I'm not going to talk about it too much. I'm going to let him tell you what's going on. So take a listen to the commish, Mr. Devin Howard. Hello, Bodega Border Crew. This is Devin Howard here with the World Surf League. Just giving you the update of what's going on. Man, after a long break, we are back on. If you go all the way all the way back to February 2020, we were at Noosa starting off the new season with a bang. We had Joel Tudor and Kalis winning that event and things were looking good but at the same time we were keeping our eye on something called COVID-19 uh, as we saw over the coming weeks and within a month I think from that event the world came to a standstill the world surf league came to a standstill and we've not resumed competition until now um, we did have that specialty event, the Cuervo Classic, a little while ago, and we are going to be starting off things again. What's really cool, I think, is we're going to resume the season, so we're going to let those points from Noosa carry over, so all of those results will uh, be put toward the world title this year, and that will be starting at the Cuervo Classic. Uh, it's actually called the Cuervo Surf Ranch Classic because it will be in Lemoore, California, Kelly Slater's Surf Ranch. And that will be on September 29. So love for you to tune in. Starts at 9 a.m. I think we might have a morning show starting at 8.30. I'm not 100% positive on that, but I believe that's the plan. Uh, worst case, we will be starting at 9 a.m., and we're going to run live all day. I know last time was a pre-recorded show, and some people didn't exactly love that format. Totally hear everyone on that for sure. Um, so this time, it's going to be a more traditional live broadcast, uh, live all day. It's going to be hosted by Wingnut and Kaipo Guerrero, and joining the team will be none other than Cassia Meador and the Night Snake, Chad Marshall. Um, so that's going to be a fun crew. I think we've got a great event. The thing that's changed a little bit, I suppose, from other events is we've had to reduce the field. You know, there's only so many waves available. It's one wave every four minutes. So the amount of surfing that can be done uh, is, is obviously scrunched down. To make it all fit, we had to reduce the field. It was a real bummer, but we just didn't have a choice. So we are down to... 18 men and 18 women. We will be running the sort of qualifying rounds. The preliminary rounds will actually be taking place the day before on September 28. We will not be live broadcasting that. However, we will show the highlights from that day uh, in the morning. So um, keep your eyes peeled for that. Why not both days? I think the concern was that the surf, the challenge of the surf ranch is that it can tend to become a bit monotonous. So by starting things off in the quarterfinals on the 29, 
I think you get a good flow of the day. You can see where everyone's at in the quarterfinals, follow them through to the semis in the final. I think that's a good way to sort of keep it fresh and exciting through the day. Um, You know, you could let me know what you think of that later on once this all plays out. Um, Nothing has really changed. Format's the same. We're still working with the the same uh, format that has a focus on traditional longboard surfing. We do not have any rules on the equipment. We leave that up to the surfers. But I think if you read the criteria, if you're a surfer, there's probably a competitive advantage if you're riding a single fin. Um, that said, just like in the shortboard, we leave it up to the surfers to ride whatever they want. And what else can I tell you? So we have our second event, which is technically the third event of the season, which will also be the final event, and that will be at Malibu. The waiting period is October 3 to 13. And I can tell you right now, um, as I'm looking at the forecast, I'm not seeing any surf for those first four or five days of the waiting period. Now, unless a hurricane pops up here in the next few days, I don't see that changing. I'm anticipating that our, you know, we're going to be running in the back end of that. So probably that 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, I'm assuming is when we're going to be running. Um, we will make the call six or seven days out. So we'll let everybody know pretty you know, very specifically what two days we're going to run, but we won't know until about six or seven days ahead of that call. The surfers will be carrying points from Noosa. They'll be carrying points from the surf ranch into Malibu. And then the points earned from that, all three events together will choose, uh, you know, determine who the world champions are. The Noosa event is interesting was 5,000 points. Surf Ranch and Malibu are 10,000 points, so we could see things shake up quite a bit. Worth noting, Justin Quintal was not at Noosa. He had fallen ill. Um, Rodrigo's Fire was another surfer who was not there. And on the women's side, I believe it was Lindsay Steinreid that was not there. It might have been someone else that I'm not thinking of right now. Um, so forgive me for not remembering so long ago at this point. Uh, I'd say 95% of the field was at Noosa. So those surfers I just mentioned are the ones that are going to have to do really well at both events to have a chance at winning the world title. Um, New York was on the schedule for anyone that was watching that. Um, Unfortunately, the funding for that, which comes through local tourism, uh, has been hit pretty hard with the COVID stuff. So that funding didn't come through. Unfortunately, we had to put that event uh, off, and we're going to revisit it next year. So I hope that happens next year. We love the New York stop. And I think it really round things out, period. So I think um, I think that's it, Bodega Board of Crew. Um, we're excited to get going. We've got a great crew of surfers. We've got two incredible surfers off and running in the lead. They're going to have to do really well to maintain that lead because, as I said, the Cuervo Classic is going to have double the points. So it'll be really interesting to see how things shape up. And, yeah, I hope everyone likes this format, and I think it'll be a big improvement from the pre-recorded one, which ended up feeling like a big commercial, which was what no one really wanted, but that, that criticism was super fair, absolutely. Um, this will have a lot of uh, commentary from the surfers. There'll be 
you know, a few minutes between each ride. The rides are quite long, and it does take a minute to sort of analyze and do the score. And in between those moments, um, we'll have some guests. We're going to try and have some people call in. And, man, yeah, I better hop off this phone here because I got a lot of shit to do to get ready for this. All right, thanks so much for everyone's support and look forward to uh, maybe seeing some of you at Malibu. Come on down, check us out. Talk soon, guys. Peace. Thanks, Devin, for sending that over and for uh, what you're doing with the WSL. It kind of gives me a little faith that out of, out of all the competitive things going on out there on large scale, at least they're taking care of it. I'm really excited to see the Malibu contest and go there. Uh, I'll be covering it uh, for an episode of the podcast, so I'm really excited about that. The wave pool, I could give or take, but I think it's a good setup. It'll be interesting to see Chad Marshall and Cass uh, doing some of the commentary. That alone will kind of keep me drawn in <laughs> between waves because uh, I think there is a four-minute uh, space. But in general, I think what they're doing is really good in the fact that you know the points that were accumulated by people like Joel and Khalees and a, a bunch of other people aren't going to waste, you know, and they get to really translate that over to a season as big as they can make it obviously uh, in, in reality so definitely check it out um, there's going to be a link to it in the episode description also make sure to check out the Malibu contest I think it's going to be great I think they're timing it right in a sense of like they're not going to run it those first couple of days so I know the holding period's like October 3rd I can't imagine it running before let's say maybe the 9th and because they have until 13th they want to make it a contest as great as it could be and i'm more excited to see that and someone's gonna be crowned champion whatever that means um you know i'm not very competition minded so it doesn't really do much for me but i think for the audience to see some amazing surfers and surfing from all over the world people like harrison roach justin quintel uh those kind of people showing up i think is great so thanks Devin, for doing all that you do please go check out the WSL contest. I think it's going to be interesting. But for now, let's get back to what we're here for. The tracks, the underground, the hip hop, the boom bap. Check it out. We'll be back with a couple of short takes. Peace. Yeah.
type of shit they ask for. Y'all make the type of shit they fast forward. You wantin' the real and shit, then ask talk. The niggas is gone. This should separate me from the pack. I'm so ahead of the whack. At first glance, you might think I'm in back. But backtrack at first glance. You see that in fact, I'm so advanced that I double they laps. Niggas' memories lapse. Soccer the sworn. Y'all knew not the patrol. And any class, another nigga could go in. My spit shit sick, ridiculous. Nigga, get the fuck out of my zone. Yo, you missed the bus. I throw niggas under it. Tell them kiss the muffler. Double X hood pistol covered up. You wish the fuck you was my pedigree. That you can never be. Be never forever. You smelling me? Dog, what you telling me? I'm not. But these niggas supposed to be hot. I lay vocals at rotisserie spots. Flame spitter, nigga. Only time you ever was hot is when your pop shot you out of his cock. Motherfucker. It's that wrong. This is the type of shit they ask for. Y'all make the type of shit they fast forward. You wanting the real and shit, then ask talk. You other niggas is gone. It's that wrong. This is the type of shit they ask for. Y'all make the type of shit they fast forward. You wanting the real and shit, then ask talk. You other niggas is gone. Yeah, what they least expected was torn. This next shit, the young veteran and the soul brother connected. You should take corners on who not the F with. Show Pete, show these niggas the exit. See what yeah. they least expected was torn. This next shit, the young veteran and the soul brother yeah. connected. You should take corners on who not the F with your Pete. Show these niggas yeah. the exit. Uh, come on, you come niggas on. all need to get out of Dodge. Tell them bomb for yards. Go play in traffic. Stay in front of my car. It's probably better time spent than when you pinning them bars. I'm calling Rock Emerson for this garbage. You niggas trash raps is whack. The fact you were back in the back with shiny jewels with them cover. For that, so what I lack in platinum plaques, I match when I spit on the track and smash niggas, nigga. This is a rap. It's that wrong. This is the type of shit they ask for. Y'all make the type of shit they fast forward. You wanting the real and shit, then ask talk. You other niggas is gone. It's that wrong. This is the type of shit they ask for. Y'all make the type of shit they fast forward. You wanting the real and shit, then ask talk. You other niggas is gone. Yo, check it. Yo, it's Tuesday morning, sunrise, the streetwise LP been released, fully stocked today. Before you head out, you got a blast, right? Just way to go. Just to get amped up for more flow. Now, holla at your people, say, yo, what's the deal? EAF's joint is out now, man, for real. Crazy skills on the mic, shit is right on. Crisis and knives on the beats. What a treat at the local record store, let's meet. Man, I'll see you in a couple hours, maybe around 11, sounding splendid. Time to get it, new releases section, A, B, C, D, E, D, G, A, R, Allen Flow, grab it, yo. Anything else, no. If you ready, have your dough at the checkout. No doubt, strong purchase. Ain't nobody hotter when it comes to this hip-hop thing. Man, you gotta... Should throw your hands up, let the world know what's up. Should keep your neck snapping because of Edgar Allen. Should keep the energy flowing, now everybody's knowing you should... To kill all the hate for hip hop's sake. A quick ride to the crib, no time to waste. Take the plastic off carefully, don't wanna crack the case. Similar to cracking a safe for the valuables, actual. 
This is infinite material, place it in the stereo. Take a glance at the insert, first focus on the line of notes. Ears pay attention, trying to find the quotes in the words. You getting served with an intense level instrumental. No rewinding or skipping to the next track. Soak it in first, then bring it back after the last song. So the feeling can last long. Throw your headphones on and turn the shit up. Is it crazy or what? Hip-hop at its finest. The new mecca is the Carolinas. Word the mother. Edgar Allen is the MC like no other. To fully enjoy this shit, you should tell another. Throw your hands up, let the world know what's up. Should keep your neck snapping because of Edgar Allen. Should keep the energy flowing now, everybody's knowing you should. Yeah, kill all the hate for hip hop's sake. It'd be a lot of critics outside looking into the music, skimming through each track just to review it before anyone else. You proud of yourself or something? Looking for props, man, there's nothing on that. Sit back and do a little research before you put on an echo shirt or going online trying to rhyme or speak to the world with a hip hop slang. I know that it's not your thing, just be plain. You'll get more respect that way, and that's all I can say. Real heads, I need to see you today. Just throw your fist up. Feeling it, get up and dance if you love hip hop. Clap hands. This one goes out to those breathing this shit for real. The ones who feel it in the veins. Emotions insane for this. 88 kids and such. True schoolers. Celebrate it with me and just. Should throw your hands up. Let the world know what's up. Should keep your neck snapping because of Edgar Allen. Keep the energy flowing now, everybody's knowing you should. Should kill all the hate for hip hop's sake. From the weight of this wax shit Pictures painted with filthy brush strokes Tainted my blackness Striving for perfection Every day in need of some direction My earth shows me affection To ease the heart thrive In between the heartaches Life's doors revolve Yo, I got issues Cause every second there's a problem to solve I should've went to math class Didn't wanna get involved Cause the streets cause grief To have my soul enthralled Stress fell on the hood Like a cancer My whole block went bald Global warming hit the planet with a skull my cell bill's $500, who the fuck did I call? Can't even go to the bar and drink without getting their brawls. And the judge got my man by the balls. Yo, 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 the cause and effects of the microphone checks. And the ones and the twos of the ill street blues. You got a problem. Every day a problem. Situation problems. Lay your whole frame to rest. Yo, it's the cause and effects. Microphone checks of the ones and the twos of the ill street blues. You got a problem. Every day a problem. Situation problems. I'm a problem that you never can solve. You contemplate 30 days straight, let it revolve. 33 and a third, you hear it verbally in the words. How I murder these MCs that be herbs. I got a with all the fakeness, but that's just motivation to pull the mics out and blaze this. Soundscaping faces remain ageless. Writing pages, connecting lines like ASICs to basics. It's all just simple mathematics. When I add nine and have your Evidence attracting, I'm figuring, mixing adrenaline with passion. Gotta stay active, can't get too relaxed. See, that's a see, I gotta, gotta get in while the getting's good. Wish to fix it quick, I'm sick of living in the hood. And that's a I'm sick of seeing you in the spotlight. It's not right, cause I'm in this light, not right. It's the cause and effects of the microphone checks and the ones and the tools of the ill street blues. You got a problem. Every 
every day your problem situation problems make your whole frame the rest yo it's the cause and effects microphone checks are the ones in the tunes of that ill street blues you got yeah, every day your problem situation problems make your whole frame it's now i stand about five feet above where they hustling drugs nighttime soundtrack you can track the thugs could be your problem if you never lived in the land where they have never feared another fucking man understand it's a problem currency is tumbling pressure got me fumbling from marijuana crumbling i'm dealing with this my og stressing my son he got questions they fucking up the south side section that's a problem could be a solution to the drama niggas breaking through your body armor take away your honor that's a problem have you ever seen a sight of things when the situation screams at the top of the lungs we got problems malcolm couldn't solve them king's whole dream blow away in the steam i guarantee you it's a problem something you can conquer politicians ponder question how the it's fuck you dealing with some cause and effects the microphone checks to the ones in the twos of the ill street blues you got a problem every day a problem situation problem let your whole frame the rest yo it's the cause and effects microphone checks to the ones in the twos of the ill street blues you got a yeah, every day a problem situation problems let your whole frame the rest yo it's the cause and effects to the microphone checks to the ones in the tools in the ill street blues you got a yeah every day a problem situation problems let your whole frame the rest yo it's the cause and effects microphone checks the ones in the tools of that ill street blues you got a problem every day a problem situation problems let your whole frame the rest you got a problem Chances are so slim, it turns boys to men. 
I light an incense and hope to earn my place in that imitat to the divine. I show respect. Yeah. I'm not a master, I'm really just a student. Humble myself, there's just so much I don't know yet. You're not alone in that journey, searching for home tight grip around the cone cold tip against your dome. Contain evil, that's the best thing to sell. And I promise you'll receive eternal wealth. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna test in the trials, I travel mad miles to find my style. I smile to keep me from wowing. The moon got me howling. I lost myself, but I found them through all the tests and the trials. I travel mad miles to find my style. up everybody welcome back to volume 74 of the bodega board crew podcast hope you guys have been enjoying the tracks the interviews the little guest spot from the commission mr devin howard but let's do a little housekeeping this is the bodega border crew podcast make sure to check us out on instagram at bodega border crew make sure to check out our website bodegabordercrew.com for ways to support us buy some stuff we have a lot of cool stuff you might dig something you could also always give it away as a gift if you don't want it for yourself also, make sure to check out this episode description on your iTunes player for track listings and links to things that we're talking about. In this episode, we have a couple of fun short takes for you. The first short take we have is this uh, BTS video that LogRap put out for the um, OLSC King and Queen of the Pier. This is one of the first contests that returned back to California recently. Uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of people got to go uh, enjoy it, uh, hang out, surf, that kind of thing. One thing I love about this clip and most of uh, Ryan's behind the scenes clips he does for the contest is you really get a vibe for what the contest is about besides the surfing itself and the competitive nature, but also what the people are up to and the personalities. And it's one of the things that in our surf culture, people neglect that neglect to think is important. It's really these personalities and people that need to be spotlighted, not just their surfing, because that directly translates into the surfing. I remember Worm talking about this in terms of style and that the person with the best style is the one that usually has the style that is the most true and comes from their personality. So Ryan did a really good job of this. Um, We have a link to it. Make sure to check it out. And uh, yeah. The second short take we have is this article that came out in the New York Times about black surfers reclaiming the water. A big reason I started Bodega Border Crew is that I was very historically aware that surfing comes from people of color. It doesn't come from white people. It's not some like white person that invented it from the Netherlands or anything like that. You know, it comes from Pacific Islanders and we've reappropriated it and created it into our own thing. And it lacks the representation of its source. And it's good to see now that there's a big movement of black surfers, uh, Pacific Islanders, uh, Latinos, all that being represented in the water and having a voice because they need to be. This is a really cool article for anyone that doesn't understand what's going on right now and the representation and how to help and all those things. Uh, Big spotlight of the article is uh, Mr. Salema Mesakela, who has done a lot for surfing 
and throughout his life and is someone who's uh, originally from New York. So I have a <laughs> definite affinity towards him. But we have a link to the article. I really suggest you read it uh, and just educate yourself a little bit more about what's going on out there and uh, how you can be helping the movement for people of color in surfing. The last short take we have is this clip that randomly popped up on my timeline. I seriously don't even know how, but it's called Eve uh, by Nibble Clips featuring Mr. Josh Seaman. I think the actual footage was uh, taken by uh, Visions by Slim. All of this footage looks like it was shot over at church. This is, I think, Josh Seaman at his best. He's one of the most interesting technical nose riders I've ever seen in my life. Him and JJ, and there's a couple others that I love to watch in person and on video. This video is a nice two minute clip condense of a lot of stuff that he does. I remember Ryan from Lograp brought him to my attention and showed me all this like switch stuff he was doing that like blew my mind. This was like three, four years ago. And to see his progression go even further on these CJ Nelson boards that he's been riding is amazing. So definitely check out this clip. Give a big shout out to Josh Seaman, support him uh, and surfers like him. And uh, you might learn something from some of the stuff he's doing in that video. But that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being a fan. Make sure to tune into our Vans Channel 66 show that we've been doing. It's been a lot of fun. It's kind of the direction that I'm going into with this brand in terms of media, uh, video, interactivity, that kind of thing. The podcast is still one of the things that I love to do. It's just not the top priority right now. Working on the brand, uh, working on a potential brick and mortar store that will hopefully launch in 2022. Uh, some smaller video projects and stuff like that, but you know, the the podcast is kind of taking a back seat. And I don't want to put out episodes just for the sake of putting out episodes to keep some consistent flow. I know a lot of people do that in the content world. Luckily, I have the freedom of I'm self-published, self-run. I'm not reliant on sponsors and I don't have to you know, worry about a sponsorship schedule. But I wanna thank everyone for being fans, thanking everyone for buying merch, for being nice out there in the water, and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I just wanna end this on our classic phrase. There's no need to bust a craze on a wave. Go out there, have fun, say hello to each other. A smile goes a lot longer than a smirk any day. So see you out there, hope you enjoy, peace. Like this. <laughs> Yo, father time, why is thou forsaking thee? Looking at the countless places you've taken me, making me move without a choice. The earth keeps spinning, I'm beginning to start to hear your voice in the prime of my life with my mind on tonight, not thinking about tomorrow until it comes. Then one day my tomorrows will finish up. Then I'm trapped inside of you forever, existing only in the cerebellum and the stories people telling. You can't buy the past, not even a half second, no matter how rich you are, actually. You move with the slowest of strides and fastest of speeds in retrospection. We dwell on your reflection. Our bodies grow old because of you, no question Every minute that goes by, we'll never get it back But still we don't take advantage of every minute that we have while we having it You and my life is stay accurate Got my hands together like 12 o'clock when I'm clapping it Brought me hell at 11.34 when I was 3 o'clock In 4 more minutes, I see the holes upside down I a lot into it, this is my product in the Never backwards, and time keeps ticking. I put a lot into it.
This is my product in the cap. Gotta move it. Tick tock, tick tock, your heart stay beating. I bet you off the earth before the first human being. You're everywhere from the US to European. You hold the life to people we be no longer seeing. Straight up like six o'clock. I wonder if you ever stop going from days to nights and nights to days. Like somebody hit pause and no one tried to play. And in that same minute we was in our lives to stay. You stay moving without an end or conclusion. Cruising, I hope that it's more and more to it. It's funny how the day that I lose my life, I'll be flat like 915 or 345. Some get small amounts of you and gone before the age of two. And plus, too much of you can even kill us too. You're the will and will do. I slowly feel you as you continue with more to transcend to timeless. I put a lot into it. This is my product and the gap. Gotta move it. But it's always forward, I'm moving. Never back, this time keeps ticking. I put a lot, lot into it. This is my product and the gotta move it. It's always forward, I'm moving Never back when stupid time keeps ticking Oh shit, god damn it I'm late for work again There you go again, moving all fast and shit Damn, it was just Friday, it's already Monday Balance, balance, can you have time to balance? Walking on the tightrope, every day's a challenge Feels like a tug of war, people always wanting more Battling myself to keep the balance, I've been keeping score Balance, balance, can you help me find my balance? Walking on the tightrope, every day's a challenge My plate's full and life's getting too hectic Things are out of whack, I need the balance to reset Some days I wish I had a superpower Ability to clone myself, too much shit to do with not enough hours Like a minute turns to week, I blink the years gone People having babies, getting married, ask me what's wrong You still single, making music, what's the deal? Ain't you tired of the struggle, how you make it through, how you feel? I keep it like come off from nonchalant Matter of the fact is it's important that I keep my front Walking on eggshells as I play it off Can't sleep, can't eat, can't breathe My brain never shuts off Eyes on the prize, minds trying to find the finish line Deadline for the album, school, family In the meantime, one day meshes straight into the next The stress mounts, things happen I'm flexed, hold my breath and then Cycles repeat, skip the beat like vinyl Hoping I can find my equilibrium Trying to Balance, balance, can you help me find my balance? Walking on the tightrope, every day's a challenge feels like a tug of war people always wanting more battling myself to keep the balance i've been keeping score balance balance can you help me find my balance walking on the tightrope every day's a challenge my plate's full and life's getting too hectic things are out of whack i need the balance to reset this Ooh, what the hell is this it happened all of a sudden what did i miss i think i gotta figure out myself i haven't been on point lady gotta check my health ah feel my balance is on the yank side damn pride pushes me to fight when i should let it slide keep the blood from rushing through my veins if i let it in nobody said a chance but i've been struggling to keep my shit right could i slip again i think i just might man ain't nothing left for show around me can't say nothing anymore but maybe i gotta break this vicious cycle for sure i can't take any of this no more and i've seen it before what people do when they manage my grief at the door i keep it true for my balance 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 can you help me find my balance walking on the tightrope every day's a challenge feels like a tug of war people always wanting more battling myself to keep the balance i've been keeping score balance balance can you help me find my balance walking on the tightrope every day's a challenge my plate's full and life's getting too hectic things are out of whack i need the balance to reset so here's this. the deal 
Life is a bitch and she shoots to kill. So always keep it real and hold tight still. People come and go, situations change. Never let them throw you off your axis, please. And if you do, let your anger get the best of you. You're a fool if you think that you were destined to. <laughs> Even the negative things that occur all serve a positive purpose in the mixture. Balance, balance, can you help me find my balance? Walking on the tightrope, every day's a challenge. Feels like a tug of war, people always wanting more. Battling myself to keep the balance, I've been keeping score. Balance, balance, can you help me find my balance? Walking on the tightrope, every day's a challenge. My plate's full and life's getting too hectic. Things are out of whack, I need the balance to reset this. Balance, balance, can you help me find my balance? Walking on the tightrope, every day's a challenge. Feels like a tug of war, people always wanting more. Battling myself to keep the balance, I've been keeping score. Balance, balance, can you help me find my balance? Walking on the tightrope, every day's a challenge. My plate's full and life's getting too hectic. Things are out of whack, I need the balance to reset this.